0: Welcome back to sustainability mind shift. Um, I am really excited today to be sitting here with Melissa O'Mara. Uh, Melissa and I met recently and, um, you know, it was the collision of two worlds that, uh, seem to be making a lot of great things happen. And we're going to be talking about that today. Um, Melissa and I are going to be using a, an interview format, which she's going to be talking about, uh, called the bigger game, um, which many of you may have heard about or not, but, um, listen up, this is going to be exciting. We're going to hear about Melissa's story and, uh, I'm going to be interviewing her this time as she interviewed me uh, in the last episode, as you saw. So hi, Melissa.
1: Hi, I'm looking forward to this. It's fun to have the tables turned a little bit.
0: <laughs> Feels weird on this side. I tell you, I mean, I've am you know i done some interviewing over the last uh, six months, but this is new for me using the bigger game. So I'm excited.
1: Oh, yeah, me too. You'll do great. And uh, it's a very intuitive model, uh, one of the reasons I use it. And so I'm trusting you to just know, like, what it's all about and use it to get us through this process together. And part of the beauty of that is that we're modeling um, what's, what's possible for, you know, business leaders for, for, I think our audience, you know, uh, conscious corporate catalysts, people inside of business who are awake and awakening Mm -hmm. to the need of business to sort of play a bigger game in the world. So I'm, I'm very excited to um, use this framework to sort of, share this first, you know, sort of an unveiling of of the it's it's not a new framework, um, but it's something that's been very useful to me in my career and in my my soul work, if you will. I mean my 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 sense of calling, which is around um yeah, well, we'll get into all that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: But again, in a shortcut, it's around it's around raising um our capacity to and, and our a way of seeing the world um inside of businesses so that we can understand the interconnected nature of of everything like really understand our impact personally individually as well as at a, at a team or you know subsystem level inside of the you know bigger corporate system and then the companies you know they operate in industries and ecosystems you know and mm-hmm. and how do those companies interact and and with not-for-profits and with government and you know so it's in a way it's like really I want to help businesses to realize their part in the ecosystem um and that includes nature
0: I love that yeah you know um I want to hear your story too and it's so interesting you know that this bigger game um from what I've learned of it you know in the time that we've we've known each other is um is that it really helps you understand yourself, and 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 a lot of the the experts I've been talking to. In fact, one of them you'll be talking about uh, Michelle Holliday. That's how we met through one of her uh, community gatherings, yeah. um, including lots of other uh, systems thinkers and and regenerative experts uh, and inner development experts. I've been interviewing um, talk about you know the place to start is is by looking inside yourself and understanding yourself, um, yeah. and then from there, as you said, you know understanding the systems and. and seeing the skills and the, the, the capabilities that you need to develop further to uh, to get to where we need to go. Um, and this program really is interesting. It does. It gets you, you know, in the last interview, you all will see it's uh, she got me to dive deep inside myself and answer some questions that, you know, intuitively, I knew were there, but 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 in the process of asking those questions through that process and using the framework and the right kind of questions, I was able to have a clear, have clear insights about, about who I am and what I want and and where the roadblocks are and, and who's supporting me and what needs to be done, uh, yet ahead to be, to, 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 to reach this future. So anyway, yeah, here we go. It is, the,
1: it is the beauty of the framework, the idea of a framework. It's not a methodology. It's not a linear process. It's a, I know you love the word lens. We use it a lot. Um, um, it's a, a lens through which, or actually nine lenses through which we see our work in the world uh, individually, and also I love it most honestly when I do it with teams because one of the problems we have today in companies is you know 70% on average, if you look over the last many you know years of the Gallup um, employee engagement survey, 70% are disengaged or you know act, that actively disengaged at work. And that's not a good statistic, you know? So, um, and that makes me sad to be frank. It makes me incredibly sad because we spend so much time at work. Um, We spend our, uh, the majority of our days and too many nights oftentimes and weekends, you know, doing work in the world. So my belief is that the sooner we can figure out what our sort of life work is, what what our core work is, The better, because uh, we know we're contributing to something that actually matters, that makes a difference, and, and that that has meaning and impact. And so, what I really, in my heart of hearts, want for everybody is to have that feeling of my work matters. It really does. And when you're playing a bigger game, it's clear that it matters and you know why it matters and you know precisely what you're up to in the next 12 to 18 months. And, and that's mm-hmm. the beauty of the framework. So yeah, we we should get into it, I guess.
0: Yeah, so let's start. I mean, tell me about the, the bigger game. So, um, you know, it is a framework of nine pieces. Maybe you wanna pull it up and- Yeah, uh, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll pull it up because, yeah. Let me do that. Okay, so um, yeah. So this is the bigger game framework. It's a, a tic-tac-toe board. But it actually operates a little bit more like Twister, hmm. and um, you know, it was developed, co-developed, co-created by some coaches um, back in the early 2000s, right after 9/11, actually, um, when they noticed they 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 noticed that some of the executives that they were coaching would have a BHAG, a big hairy audacious goal, you know, a, a very big stretch goal. And they would somehow beyond their current set of capabilities and skills, they would somehow pull it off within the span of, you know, 12 to 18 months of coaching and others equally would have, you know, sort of big ideas, dreams, and not be able to pull it off. And so they began to look at, you know, what was happening in the world. And so, you know, we have these seismic or catalytic, um, events that happen that have us rethink everything. So 9-11 was was that for them. And this this model was born out of a hunger to have more um leaders really step up into playing and executing and delivering on a bigger game, playing a bigger mm-hmm. game in their world, in their world of work, in their world outside of work, whatever you know it might be. So that's how it was born. And the two coaches that really ended up publishing the model and building workshops around it are Laura Whitworth. Um, She was a co-founder of CTI, um, the Coaches Training Institute, now the Coactive um, Training Institute. um, And an incredible woman, um, the mother of coaching, um, many call her. She passed uh, several years ago um, from, um, from cancer. And so, but she's still here with me. I absolutely know 100% of the, the time that she's, she's here with me in that um, I hear her words all the time. Mm. And her compelling purpose is, was, they just don't know how and we can do something about that. That was her compelling purpose. And I, I have that in me too, only I've reframed it to, we just don't know how. And we can do something about that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the and, and Rick Tamlin, who's yeah. alive and well and a very good friend, colleague and co-creator of mine. Um, he is keeping the bigger game alive today. He does great work and helping um, entrepreneurs, professionals uh, get their bigger game out into the world but also, he does a lot of work with companies, as do I, around um, you know playing their bigger game, bringing teams together to play a bigger game. So, a bigger game is um, a bigger game is like a BHAG, a, a big, hairy, audacious goal. It's um, something that you don't know how to do yet, but it's very, very compelling. It's so compelling that you can't not do it. Mm. So, imagine you've got a team or an entire organization fired up around playing a bigger game, a virtuous bigger game in the world, something that's that creates a better world in some way, shape or form. And that's kind of the beauty of, you know, whenever I get to bring this in, it's like, oh, I can't wait to see what what is born here hmm. because the bigger game percolates from the system itself. It comes from the human People, the humans in the system, Mm. because the top layer of the bigger game I call the activation layer. So, starting with hunger, uh, that's usually the entry point for a bigger game. Um, I kind of feel that oftentimes it comes in sideways through a gulp that sort of wakes us up and scares scares the crap of us, and we say we immediately go to no, not that, which is one of the three lenses of hunger. Mm. That's not okay for me. So I see that this model itself was created out of it was a bigger game to create the model right it was created out of the gulp of 9 11 which immediately activated a hunger of no not that that's not okay with me Mm. and led to um a sense of we can do something about that a compelling purpose of let's figure this out let's bring something into the world that will make a difference to leaders everywhere and and, and so that's that's the beginning of a bigger game. Mm-hmm. And so the three lenses of hunger are no, not that. Um, what I want more of, oh, wow, I love that. I love what I'm seeing in this organization right now. I love that post on LinkedIn and what that leader is doing over there. I want more of that in my organization, in my world. And the other lens of hunger is what's missing entirely. So mm-hmm. when I work with teams, and individuals, we really go deep into their hunger. And hunger is not a business need, which is very much just in your head, like, you know, requirements, specifications, you know, what's the business need? Um, What's the stakeholders needs? No, it's visceral. It's like emotional, It's, it's tied to your heart and your gut intelligence of what wants to be different. So very important for change makers.
0: Yes, you know. Imagine today, you know, with with climate change, you know, no, not that, <laughs> and the, the you know the catastrophe that's that's awaiting us if we don't uh, quickly transform our organizations and ways of being in this world and interrelating, et cetera. And then there's the the calling of hunger too for um, you know wanting wanting to feel connected, um, all the employee disconnection out there, and, and wanting to feel like they're a part of the. A part of the organizational you know, future and and uh, part of that, that, that actually crafting that future for the organization, not just being, uh, a, you know, along for the ride, um, yeah. is is draw, is is really eating at a lot of these change makers internally, right?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. So this is both a leadership model, um, a, a, leader, a way that leaders grow themselves, uh, is by playing a bigger game because it forces leaders to. Um, it's a, it's a heat experience, right? So if you think of, if you know, there's lots of different models of of vertical development, but I really like the three characteristics of vertical development that Nick Petrie writes and talks about, which are there, there has to be a heat experience. It's lovely when the heat experience is one that we choose, you know, and so teams can actually choose to play a bigger game that they don't know how to play. They don't know how they're going to get it done. They choose a heat experience. Individual leaders can do that too. The second um, characteristic of uh, the requirement for vertical development is collisions. Um, a bigger game cannot be played alone. You, it requires that you have allies. Collisions of, of, of new thoughts, different thoughts and different people are required for vertical development. And so because this is a, is a team game and it's really a, reaching out to a stakeholder you know, sort of a field of play that involves stakeholders, mm. there are collisions and new ideas that are going to be coming in.
0: And that's just a quick comment on that. And that's a lot yeah. of what's missing today. I think with, with with COVID, you know, and people working from home and, you know, the, the old ad is the, the water cooler conversations, but there's, you know, there's 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 less opportunity for people to collide and ideas to collide more spontaneously, you know, organically, as opposed to being forced into an hour meeting. And that's all you have with the people that you're talking to
1: right right and really that's so crucial for innovation inside of organizations it's a, it's a it's a, it's a it's a key ingredient um i used to, con- to call this a collaborative innovation model because that's what it is what it is right mm. um you know it, it enables collaborative innovation f- for teams um so collisions um collisions are one of those three requirements for vertical development and then third is balcony time balcony time or, you know, reflection or uh, meaning or sense-making time uh, alone. And then, then collectively, like what's happening here? Like, what are we noticing? What are we, ne- what are we learning? What, and and I love, I, I actually couple this with, I know I'm, I'm going to go too far here, but Otto Scharmer's theory, you, mm-hmm. which is, it starts with a sensing journey, uh, open mind, open heart process mm-hmm. that I akin, I I basically design my workshops this way. We step into the assess square. What's true? What's true now, you know, with an open mind, without blame, without shame. This is a just the facts jack part of the model with what's true now, Uh, without our story of it, you know,
0: and a lot oh. of leaders are missing that you know when i was teaching strategy execution at that former leadership development consulting company that used business simulations which led to the creation of sustainability mind shift for me um it was the epiphany i had then but was uh you know using your balcony metaphor just for those of you that maybe haven't heard that it's you know if you think of a dance floor people are dancing on the floor and all you see is what's right in front of you because you're dancing with right. the people you're in there you're in the it's tactic it's engaged it's a. Uh, You know, it's the execution piece, but then when you're strategic and you step up on the balcony and you're able to look down and watch the moving pieces and watch where people are moving and you can start to anticipate where people might move and understand the flow of the entire dance floor itself, not enough leaders uh, take the time to do that, to be strategic and step back and assess. So it's an important step.
1: Absolutely. And also in my view of the world, everyone's a leader. Everyone's Mm -hmm. a leader. Everyone has the capacity to lead something, to play a role, uh, you know, their way of leading might be not the same. And we'll get into that maybe in a second podcast around the Enneagram and different, you know, sort of core ways that we show up, our comfort mm-hmm. zone ways of showing up in the world. Um, I don't like to label people I like to think of, which is why I like the Enneagram, because it's a developmental model, but mm-hmm. it is very helpful in understanding that we have different parts to play different strengths that we can bring in. So um, yeah, so everyone's a leader. Um, it's not a hierarchical thing. It's something we choose mm-hmm. when we step in, when we raise our voice, when we we add a comment, when we schedule a meeting, that's leadership, right? When we, set, when we decide to, to write something, an important memo and make sure that it gets to the right people and then set up time. This is how change happens is through these small, uh, bold actions, if you will, in the center. Um, mm-hmm. Bold actions in pursuit of or in support of a compelling purpose in the name of the game or the bigger game that you're playing. So, we're kind of walking around the model a little bit. Let's, let, and I know we want to, you know, kind of take the model off the screen. So, let me just walk through it a little bit more. Yeah. Comfort zones are habits of belief and behavior. Um, they're habits of belief and behavior. So they are mindsets. They are belief systems that we are on autopilot with. They're the voice in the head that says, this is the way it's done. This is the way that I do it. Um, they're subconscious. So the thing about comfort zones is that they they run us. <laughs> they rule, they, they rule the day if they're un examined, unexamined comfort zones run our lives, Mm. and our companies, and our teams. So you can look at a comfort zone as a at a personal level, you can look at it as norms, or, you know, within a team, the way that things are done here or in an organization, kind of getting close to the culture thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the bigger game, a very bold action is to assess, see why it's twister, a bold action is to assess our comfort zones and really look at what's the payoff and the cost of Mm. that automatic behavior, that automatic thought, that belief. And is it serving us or not right now in the bigger game that we're playing right now? Without making comfort zones right or wrong, just Mm. becoming conscious of them. So this is also a consciousness raising model, right? Becoming conscious being able to see what previously was unseen sort of subconscious. Um, I'm also trained in organizational and relationship systems coaching. And one of the terms that people will use is, this is a model that reveals the system to itself. Hmm. Does that being make sense?
0: The, the system looks itself in the mirror. Yeah. Interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah. And through these nine different sort of, um, I guess, um, squares, lenses, um, concepts, capacities. So comfort zones are not good or bad in this model, but they they have us keep doing the thing that we're doing and being the way that we've been. So if you're gonna play a bigger game, there will be comfort zones that you'll need to shift out of. And the only thing that gets off us off the couch is hunger, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We have to want change. We have to want things to be different. And we all do, by the way. This thing that, you know, that we all resist change is actually not true. What we resist is the change that is done to us or demanded of us that we don't buy into. So, this is an activation model. It's and it's a, it's a clarification of, of what is the change that I want? What is the change we want? What is the change that our clients or our stakeholders want? And where do those things intersect so that we can actually play a bigger game?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when we do it individually or collectively, we're, we're, we're going into this space of what, for the sake of what are we going to take action? For the sake of, you know, we have all this hunger, but what's the direction, the North Star, the compelling purpose that aligns what we're up to right now, you know, based on everything we see, that, what's our purpose right now? And so teams will come up with that. They'll pop that up themselves. And it might be hopefully in alignment with the organization's overall stated purpose if they have one. But it's organically coming from the team and it's it's in the moment right now. And it could shift over time. It could be evolutionary depending on the circumstances. Um, Mm. It also can be for many people very um, something that guides them for decades. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so from that, that activation layer, usually, then you begin to say, okay, if that's what we're hungry for, that's the north star that should guide our actions. Like we got to do something about this. What are we going to do in the next twelve to eighteen months? Yeah. And that is the name of the game. And it doesn't have to be sexy. It could be, we're going to, we're going to launch um, and or pilot a new. Um, employee engagement system or a, a sustainability mindset. Yeah, why not? Mind shift. Um, yeah. Exactly. Uh, engagement with Brad. <laughs> um, and work to activate 15% of our workforce in this new way in the next 18 months by X date. That's a bigger game. That could be a bigger game. Yep. Yeah. So um yeah so that's the activation layer. The the middle layer I call the the calibration layer. Okay, we know what our game is. How bold do we go? How gulpy can we? Can is it going to be? Gulp is a combination of excitement and fear. And if you're not feeling gulp when you're playing a bigger game, then you're actually not playing a bigger game. So it really it's the
0: fire inside, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's the it's the like, I'm stepping out of comfort zones. Oh my god! Ah! And at the same time, it's like, yay. Sort of the top of the roller coaster, you know, when it's just the right size roller coaster.
0: Yes. You know.
1: Yeah. It's exciting to play a bigger game. It's compelling and it's scary because we're doing things we we're saying things we never said before out loud. We're thinking things that we didn't never dare to think before, and we're actually taking action and it feels uncomfortable. So you know you're playing a bigger game if you're feeling that combination of excitement and fear, and you're, you're kind of stepping into it courageously anyway, hopefully with some good, you know, left brain thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is the calibration layer. Um, and, And this makes this model so valuable over time, because you're playing a bigger game, okay, let's step into the assess square, how's it going? what's working what's not working and then once you know what you're up to then you begin to take bold action in all the squares but but particularly you begin to invest you build things you know maybe it's a new model maybe it's new capacity or capability inside of your organization um maybe it's you know who knows what maybe you're you're investing in um help to to come in and help you build uh, something that you don't know how to do yourself so you're investing in building the the infrastructure or the capacity to play this game and you're going to need allies and and so thinking about the allies is huge like who needs to be part of this and how will it be compelling for them or not and and read and understanding that this is the stakeholder you know uh, partially the stakeholder place Um, Mm -hmm. and also the co-player place who's you know, going to play this bigger game with me, like we're co-players in this next phase of your of your sustainability yeah. mind shift podcast, because yeah. we're co-producing this next series about conscious change makers inside of companies and and telling their stories. You know, through the through the bigger game model, you know, really tracking their their own journey. Um, into change making, the hero's journey, you know, the challenges mm-hmm. and the so we're gonna we're gonna do that together and that's gonna be fun. It's very compelling to me.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to hear people's stories. It'll be really interesting, you know, when you get to as, as you did with me to get to the heart of why people feel the way they do, what they're up to, what the you know all these all these different pieces um, that you know when I when I've thought about you know my why and, and why I created the sustainability mindset, for example, I had my own. Rationale and the stories I would tell people, et cetera. But, but there's something about this, the, the flow and the, the, the way that, especially you delivered, um, the questions that brought it all together and kind of shaped a, a story for me that, that, that had much more meaning and, and, uh, a deep, I had a deeper connection with the, with, with the, the answers I was giving you then, than you know, kind of just spitting them out when someone says, oh, tell me about sustainability mindset.
1: yeah it's um it's kind of magical that way sometimes so let's make some magic and 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 also enabling i mean i think that so if we talk about just sort of the bigger game of this podcast we'll do just very briefly because i want to want to cover the sustainability square and then i want to get our faces back on but the um sort of the bigger game that we're playing is right now it's a really um it's sort of a it's, it's pilot it's uh it's it's well for me the name of the game it's really simple we're producing this podcast series we're, we're piloting a new way of doing your podcast actually um and the bigger game that's already morphing out of it is what else should we do together because there's a feeling that there's a bigger game beyond that that has to do with your audience and my and, and the, the folks that I really want to have enable in the corporate space. So that's already like we become serial bigger game players. There's this one, and then there's the one that's just beyond it and beyond
0: yeah. it. Yeah, so, sustainability
1: square is really important. Last thing um, I'm going to actually stop sharing because we can talk about it. Everybody's seeing the board. Yeah. Sustainability square is um, how do you sustain yourself while you're playing this passionate, purposeful, you know, really what feels very important, bigger game in the world? And how, and also how do you sustain the players, uh, all the players that are involved? So it doesn't become a burnout game, a have to game, a,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, you don't want that. I mean, we or have a lot you, of that already.
0: Yeah. Or that you actually are, you know, practical in, in what you, what you can execute and prioritizing, you know, things and, and being in, in that sense that, you know, you and I took, you, you had me take the Enneagram, which I really appreciated. turns out I'm a seven, just like you we're ideators. we're people that, you know, have, we forward momentum. So we're, we're constantly thinking about what's next and how to build upon the momentum that we already have and, yeah. and make it bigger and more complex to solve bigger problems. And, and that can, um, that can get in the way of success for, for change makers. I think sometimes because they have, they try to bite off more than they can chew, you
1: know? Yeah. And don't, and they don't understand that everybody isn't like them. Everybody isn't motivated in the same way. Um, and so one of the things we'll be exploring in this series that I'm, I'm excited about for any of the guests that agree or already know their Enneagram is sort of, we'll be exploring the, the change maker archetype of each of the, of the nine, you know, uh, the nine um, Enneagram types. Um, and we'll, we'll at least dabble in that i think a little bit um and it could be like the next series too Mm -hmm. so also within the context
0: of the hero journey which is interesting how it interplays between these two things
1: yeah yeah so i i think whenever you're playing a bigger game you're actually going through a mini hero's journey which is what kind of grows us to our next level Mm -hmm. and so the the really cool thing about the enneagram and some work that's been done um by Eric Lyleson in Australia he's a clinical psychologist he works with you know um well a lot of you know people I think couples also some corporate folks he um he wrote this book called Essential Wholeness and it is an enneagram book and he maps out the enneagram as also a a, a process model that maps to the childhood development cycle, the adult development, Um, Phase cycles and also to the hero's journey. Mm. So nine is the nine on the. So I have it up here. (laughs) Yeah, I have the the one I painted over there, but doesn't have the Mm. numbers in it. But the enneagram nine is the adaptive uh, peacemaker, and um, and so we're in the ordinary world that's peaceful, that's where there's not a lot of conflict and change. You know, we're we're sort of here, and it's sort of like being in our comfort zone. And then the one. Uh, discerns the one is the the strict perfectionist um i think we're going to find different change maker names for each of these i'm not sure but um the one is the one the and a little bit of the idealist like um it's good it's okay but there's problems here you know discerning that it's not something's not quite right and it can be better and and so the the one has a call for it to make things better Mm -hmm. and more ideal and then but the two kind of says the two is the is So I'm not going to go all the way around the wheel, but we, yeah. we will get there eventually. Yeah, and, and the idea of the hero's journey is that we all go through these stages of being activated to go out and do something that's really important. And, and then we kind of like go back to our comfort zones and that's okay um um but then something else activates us right and we're like oh i really do want to do that thing oh my gosh but it's gonna be hard is it worth it is it worth it and you find your reason and you step in or maybe you find your mentor right that's part Mm -hmm. of the hero's journey and you're like okay i'm i'm gonna follow this lead because i i think with this help i can get you know i can get out and make this change happen i can learn Mm-hmm. And then you know, you kind of go to the you know, sort of like this deep dark night of the soul of, oh my gosh, it's way harder than I thought it was. And I think in business as is in in the corporate space, I've experienced all of that. I've experienced all of that and and mm-hmm. then kind of coming all the way around and actually, playing a bigger game that produced something, you know mm-hmm. that that really did change things. And, Um, and then the new normal, you can't go back, you know, you get to this new normal of how things operate and and you see the world differently and you can't go backwards because you've kind of leveled up.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. You see the vertical development patai.
0: Yeah. And that's essentially, you know, it's an interesting way to explain, um, you know, some of the work I'm doing too, that, you know, it's that, the creep to create that new perspective, that new, that, that mind shift that going through that process, um, you know, one of the points I keep making is that, you know, it, it, so many of us sustainability consultants and management consultants, um, you know, with a focus on sustainability will go into organizations and 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 expect, you know, the organizations to move in the direction that we tell them to move based on a strategy or a plan that we give them. But that's also based on our own life experiences and all that we've gone through to get there. And we have to understand that they they don't know how. Getting back to the very first thing you said, you know, it's the the, the, um, what was the quote? we just you don't know that?
1: how, and yeah. we can do something about that.
0: Right. And we can do something.
1: But the thing is, that's fascinating to me. The reason I said, we just don't know how is because truthfully, I mean, if we think we're going to come in and deliver a report or, a, a you know, and we're, because we do know how <laughs> we somehow know how more than they do when it's their organization, mm-hmm. um, and without immersing ourselves and co-creating with them. Yep. Yeah. I think that that's a bit of hubris.
0: And that's the, those, these are the, the types of tools and experiences I'm looking for. It's what really, again, drove me back when I had the epiphany about sustainability mind shift and in, in the context of, of, of business and running business simulations and realizing the power of those things. So simulations, games, coaching exercises, frameworks like this that can help accelerate that transformation as opposed to learning over time like you and I did I mean it took me 25 years to get to where I am today and we don't have that time science is saying we have less than 10 years so how do we transform not only the leaders but you know leaders open doors clearly that's why I'm so focused on the leadership especially the middle management level but how do we get everybody to think as a leader and to, to go through an experience or a set of experiences that enable them to have those new perspectives and from there the change begins
1: yeah so one of the the sayings in the bigger game space is um uh, think about who you you want to be, and then choose the bigger game that will grow you to be that person. Mm. Right? Um, because, yeah, it it is uh, it is about um, we're going to stretch ourselves. It's going to be hard work, um, and if we can notice what it what we really want to be different, we can find the energy. So the hunger in the bigger game is actually where all the energy for change comes from. But imagine that instead of um, the change coming from the hunger in the system, that it comes from the outside, that's what they want. But it's not what the people that actually are needing to do the change to to take action. It's not what they sense is needed next. Hmm. So when there's a mismatch there between what's being dictated, maybe top down or from Another part of the organization, um, you guys need to go, you know, go do that. Or um, even from the client or the customer, mm. um, whatever the stakeholder, whoever the stakeholders are, um, there has to be an awareness of what is the hunger, what is what can activate the people that actually have to do the work mm. to do the work. And sometimes that means also that the team, the hunger is beyond the boundaries of one team, like yeah actually the work that needs to be done requires hunger from two or three different parts of the organization Mm -hmm. and a core stakeholder group and actually the they're all going to play a bigger game together they're going to be aligned and and they can make significant shift when when they Mm -hmm. they come together but if somebody outside is just pointing to you over there in procurement or you over there in you know customer service and saying you must do this because we're playing a bigger game over here and i we need you well that's not very compelling if the the needs and hungers and motivations of the folks in customer service haven't even been considered
0: right they have yeah, we need, yeah i think we need to be able to act as, as uh patricia albert said as a super organism you know we need to be thinking yes. at, at a higher level of consciousness that exists in a, in, a, in a super organism and you know something you said interestingly too is um you know when it's the when it's I think what's happening today with COVID and lots of other, you know, challenges to businesses is, is change, you know, change has been something that we've talked about for many years, obviously, especially now. And organizations are trying to react and adapt and change to the given circumstances. But what's also emerging right now, which is super interesting, is you and I, the work that we got exposed to and how we met, I think, through Michelle Holiday's work and the work that Giles Hutchins and Laura Storm are doing around regeneration, yes. this whole regenerative movement. I think it's something that innately people are feeling. It's that, it's, you know, the, the crisis of conscience, the, the the illusion of separation, as Giles Hutchins calls it. He's got a whole book on that. Um, we feel that intuitively. And so to your point, when when leaders are saying, here's how we need to change, but they're really dictating that change based on an old dying paradigm, way of thinking, way of being, you know, profit first, hierarchical, ego driven, binary, linear, all that stuff. people feel that tension of it's not right. We need to do, we need to be aligned with life. We need to start to move the organization and ourselves in, in a new direction. And and that's hard for businesses to do clearly because the systems are entrenched, but that's, that's what, that's, that's that's what, that's what change makers are dealing with today. I think really is that tension as well.
1: Absolutely. Because yeah. Uh, How to, to bring people on board. I mean, I, I remember being in this place in IBM and in Schneider Electric and some of the change initiatives that I that I led and thinking, why don't they get it? Why don't they get it? Well, that wasn't really very helpful <laughs> because um, you have to really spend time with people and understand maybe it isn't the it that they're ready for, you know? And so how do you bring people together and, you know, sort of go up Maslow's hierarchy? Mm -hmm. In a way, I mean, the the first bigger games are if there's not safety and trust in an organization and you're asking them Mm -hmm. to save the world at the, you know, sort of the top of the message hierarchy or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. First, you have to build safety and trust and a sense of cohesiveness and the ability to just build basic high performance teams. And and I spend a lot of my time doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, because. We, we can't, you know, sort of skip that stage of actually bringing the system together.
0: I know that yeah. you have
1: to there's stop here. Yeah, there's Sanford. a lot of work
0: going on. I think it's Carol Sanford, actually, who we've been looking into recently because of her cover of her book that has the the symbol of the Enneagram on it. Yeah. Um, I think she's doing a lot of work in psychological safety. It could be somebody else, but there's a, a you know, it's, it's important. Actually,
1: yeah, interesting. I actually... She, She's not um per se, she's contrarian on, on psychological OG. safety okay. a little bit. And and so um Separate
0: she's topic. calling forth
1: <laughs> courage.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, let's just say, and 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 owning our own triggers. Hmm. You know, if we're so really for what what she's saying is that we need to regenerate ourselves, you know, the the sort of inside out model of leadership. And outside in, aware of the outside in, and, and having the pull, you know, for the sake of that out there, I need to grow myself. For the sake of, Laura Whitworth did some work. She she brought bigger game and taught bigger game. Now she taught coaching actually, to prisoners, in a high, um, what's it called? Uh, high security. Yeah. High security prison.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they learn to communicate like coaches. To ask questions like coaches. To be heard in a coaching um, kind of dialogue and it changed people inside of these prisons because nobody had ever taught them these skills. And it was a big gulp for her to go and do that inside of a prison, not coach prisoners, but teach them to coach each other. And so what they said to her is we need you back. So you need to quit smoking. And she's like, oh my gosh, I have to take a bold action sustainability because i can't do this work if i'm not well
0: Hmm.
1: and that was like her for the sake of that out there because i need to do that i want to do i'm compelled to do that work with these these folks in in prisons i need to quit smoking so sometimes we have to what what causes us to change is inspired from out there but the work we have to do is Hmm. inner work so I might leave you with a little picture. I know that you that 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 we we have to start to wrap this, mm-hmm. is that right, Brad?
0: Yeah. Sadly, okay. I think just before you uh, share that, I think uh, for anybody that's listening that's interested, this is an example of the kind of conversations that Melissa and I've been having over the last few weeks, which as you can tell, you know, sort of it's been blowing my mind anyway and and um Melissa and I, you know, found a kinship in the work we're doing and, you know, there's so much to be discussed and so many interesting overlaps of the work she's doing and the work I'm doing. Um, and, and so it's, it's led to some really, really fruitful conversations and, and these ideas about this next, um, you know, this, this next speaker series that we're going to be launching. So if you're if you're curious and interested to hear how we're going to be interviewing uh, these change catalysts, corporate conscious catalysts, um, it's called the change makers journey, we're going to be doing that uh, in the next cohort of, of five guests. Um, and that's going to be coming up shortly. We'll have some some excitement, exciting news about that, and announcement soon. Um, and you'll be able to hear how Melissa especially uses the bigger game in that process. And I, I guarantee you, you're going to see some light bulbs going off uh, in the guests that we're interviewing uh, as they as they explain their 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 who they are, why they do what they do, and it all comes together for them in that moment. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you, Brad. I appreciate your, your, you know, your kind words. I, I, I love this work. I love lighting, helping people to, to, um, sort of see their work through this different, this new lens in a sense, get clarity and, um, and really what ends up happening is it reactivates hunger uh, at a deeper level, I think oftentimes. And I'm always um,
0: hungry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, the, the thing I was going to share, I'll just very quickly share, um, is this this graphic here. Um, the inside out, outside in. So a lot of times when I'm working in organizations, I get called in because maybe I've got somebody's somebody's viewed as a problem, quote unquote, you know, fix that human. And of course, I don't like to work and I don't believe that people are broken. So I really work on building the capacity and the understanding of the human but I also will tend to say, well, let's look at the team. Let's look at the team dynamics because it's almost never one bad apple. Let's look at the culture. So I work at a lot at these two levels to create high-performance, cohesive teams. And then almost inevitably, I end up bringing in bigger game because for the sake of what do we do all this work? And how do we begin to look beyond the four walls of an organization and the, like the very um, the task orientation, um, you know, the functional orientation of the work to say, well, why are we really doing this work? What is our purpose as a company? What is our purpose? And so it's, I say leadership's an inside out job, but it's inspired by, for many outside in. And so eventually we we get to have this conversation about, you know, what is our collective impact in the world? And how do we create better outcomes for ourselves, our community, our customers, and maybe our profession or vocation. So um, that's a simplified picture of the way that I like to see um, the kinds of work that that I do and that many, many people like me do. And I think that you you do as well, you you like to do. So I'll just leave with that. Um, I hope that was helpful.
0: Yeah, it's a great systems approach. I like, I like that in one easy to read graphic. Um, so it'll be fun to explore that actually with, the, with, with the, uh, the, the, the guests that we'll have as well to talk about it in the context of themselves, the organization, and the bigger, broader world. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm excited about this, uh, this journey together. So um, stay tuned for some exciting stuff. Thank you so much, Melissa, for your time and uh and your 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 partnership and i look forward to to the work we're going to be doing
1: thank you brad have a great rest of your day
0: yeah you too